Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst. My throat is a little bit sketchy today. Sorry, but it's going to be an amazing interview. And I'm in the studio this morning with Brandon. Hi, yes. So I'm excited to join Nate and be a part of this discussion about why we believe what we believe as Christians. Now, on the show this morning, we have the incredible privilege of interviewing Josh McDowell, probably the most famous Christian apologist in history. Josh McDowell has written a ton of books, about 140 he's written or co-authored. Those books have sold over 40 million copies. He's an incredible guy. But more than that, he has specifically influenced countless people for Christ. As a teenager, he had a profound influence on my life through his writing. And you'll hear about that a little bit in a minute. But we're going to be interviewing him today. You've probably heard of Josh McDowell, and I'm excited that he's coming on The God Solution today. This is going to be the first part of a two-part interview, so he'll be on today as well as next week. And then following that, we're going to be interviewing his son, who is a scholar and Christian apologist, Dr. Sean McDowell. It'll be exciting to have both of them on back-to-back here on The God Solution. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Josh McDowell before we get to the interview. Josh McDowell has been in ministry for over 50 years. He has spoken to more than 27 million people. He's given more than 27,000 talks in 125 different countries. His Carelift organization, that's the humanitarian association that he leads, has given away nearly $50 million worth of humanitarian resources. He has written or co-authored 142 different books, which have sold a total of more than 40 million copies. His book, More Than a Carpenter, has sold more than $27 million alone. He, like I said a minute ago, also had an incredible influence on my life. When I was a teenager, I grew up in a Christian family. We were actually missionaries in other countries. And when I was a teenager, I began to have serious doubt. I've always been quite the analytical personality. My degree in college was in chemistry. I almost had a second degree in philosophy. I can't help but think deeply about different questions. It's part of what drives me to do this show. I've talked before about how I had such doubt as a teenager and how that forced me to find answers to these huge questions that we all ask. We all ask these large existential questions. Who am I? Why am I here? How should I act? How should I live? How should I treat other people? What's going to happen to me after I die? What is the purpose of this life? How can I be happy as a human being? Those deep existential questions are questions that we all ask. And as a teenager, I began asking those questions, and I knew the Christian answers. And that forced me to consider, are the Christian answers the right answers? Again, I grew up all over the world, and I was in many different foreign countries. So I was exposed to belief systems other than Christianity, even though I grew up in a Christian family. So I found myself wandering and doubting and questioning. In fact, some of this doubt was really spurred on by a meeting that I had as a 10-year-old boy in the city of Antigua, Guatemala, with some missionaries of a different religion. 
and those missionaries told me that a lot of what I was believing was wrong. I was in a square of a small town. It's a beautiful town, Antigua, Guatemala. My parents were buying something or off to the side, and these missionaries kind of swooped in and told me, hey, everything you believe is wrong. You've been lied to. It's not true. And their statement really catalyzed this process of doubt. And then that doubt led to more doubt and more doubt and more doubt. And I kept it all kind of secret. And I finally came to my dad and I said, Dad, I'm struggling with all this doubt about my Christian faith. I explained to him what it was. If you'd like to hear some of my personal doubts, go to GodSolutionShow.com and look through the past shows. You'll find a show that says My Top 10 Doubts. Those were some of the doubts that I was really puzzled and just stuck thinking about and I couldn't find a way out. And so I talked to my dad. And my dad had the wisdom and foresight to hand me a copy of Josh McDowell's book, A Ready Defense. It answered some of the specific doubts that I was having at that time. As time progressed, I ended up having other doubts, and I had to look and find other resources. But I'm not kidding you. That little book, A Ready Defense, it was exactly what I needed at that point in my life. And it gave me such firm, firm answers to some of the questions that I was asking about the reliability of the Bible, about the trustworthiness of what we find in the Bible, about Jesus Christ and what he claimed and said and did. Could I really believe that he was God in human flesh? Could I really believe that history showed that he rose from the dead and that he could offer me that as well? Could I really believe that he was right and that other religions were wrong, as he said, A lot of people think that Jesus was a good moral teacher, but they fail to realize that he said he was the only way. Well, I had to come face to face with that question. Is he really the only way? And in that little book by Josh McDowell titled A Ready Defense, I found some of the solid evidence that supported Christ's claims. And that book helped me tremendously. Now, of course, when I got to college, Josh's work was a continual encouragement, and it really helped me begin a lifestyle of looking for answers. That led to so much more investigation, so much more reading in all these different fields, science, philosophy, history, etc. And that actually has led to this show. I seek to try and share some of those answers with you. So you could say, and it would not be wrong to say that, All of this started with a little book by Josh McDowell titled A Ready Defense. So to have Josh McDowell joining us on The God Solution today is just an unparalleled privilege. And I feel so grateful that he's going to be on the show with us today. Now, Brandon's in the studio. Before we even get to the interview, I wanted to ask Brandon about that same issue, about encountering questions and doubts and finding answers. Brandon, what was that like for you? It's interesting because my mind isn't actually super analytical and I naturally didn't really process these questions. What originally drew me to Christianity wasn't the huge pile of evidence stacking towards the Christianity worldview. It was actually just the message in the person of Christ. For example, one of the first teachings of Jesus and words from his mouth from scripture that I ever heard was John 10.10. Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come so that you can have life in abundance. And that got my attention like none other and made me start asking, do I have an abundant life? 
what would the abundant life look like? And what about all these Christians around me that it does look very convincing that they have something that I don't? So questions like that started coming up in my mind. And just the message of the cross and of Jesus being the answer to the world's brokenness, that is what got my attention more than any other thing. But as I grew in my Christian faith, these questions started coming up and growing and being a part of my life. For example, I remember I think I was walking across campus and something almost stopped me in my tracks. You know, I was kind of having the doubt that is kind of typical of what if this was all created by men? What if the apostles and the disciples and people in control started fabricating all this? And it was just a sense of comfort or insecurities or power. And I was just like, it, it stopped me in my tracks. And what was really comforting and what I think God gave me a quick answer was, where's the body of Christ? Where's his? What about his dead body? Because at the time when Jesus was buried in the tomb, there was many enemies to Christianity, and it would have been a very simple way to crush the whole Christian worldview and the growing Christian faith. If they could have just produced a body, all this would be over. And honestly, if there ever is tremendous evidence that a body of Christ is found and he really did die and didn't raise from the dead, I definitely wouldn't be a Christian. But the fact that there is no body ever produced in the enemies of the time of the Christian faith, that they don't, they have no answer to this, this is just tremendous encouragement to me. And just growing and experiencing the college life, I started to hear more and more of the same questions, and I was realizing that skeptics towards Christianity had the same probably 10 questions that they're all asking and I realized that I really need to have answers to these questions. And also, just going to class, I remember I was taking an early American history class. It was pretty simple about first contact to the Americas, and then also all the way up to the Civil War. In the discussing the syllabus, my history teacher began going on and on about there's no objective truth, and there's no absolute truth. And I was just like, what does this have to do with history? So it really caught my attention as a Christian in college that this is going to be reoccurring. The professors are really out to go against the Christian worldview, and I need to have a reason for what I believe. And then also, one of my first couple months on the college campus, one of my sweetmates, he was aware that I was a Christian, and he was fired up one night, and he came and just asked me a bold question. And I gave him my answer as far as I knew. And once again, I was kind of an early believer. I was young in my faith. But I just gave him the best answer I could. And then he would leave and he would think about it. And then he'd come back again with another question. And this went on for about five or six questions. And it was really awesome. And it showed me that people were really searching and asking these questions. So young in my Christian faith, I started to read books such as The Case for Christ, The Case for a Creator. These are by Lee Strobel. And then also, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist and different things like that. And these books started just really encouraging me. And they started really putting answers towards these same kind of 10 questions that keep coming up over and over. And also what I've realized when I discuss these things with people, because I just have a huge interest, is uh, people say they don't believe in Christianity because of the lack of evidence. And I ask them, well, what specific evidence are you talking about? And then they don't really have an answer to that. 
So for me, I just want to be prepared to answer these rebuttals towards Christianity. And I'm really curious if they do have a specific question about the evidence. I want to be able to go into discussion with that. It's true that the evidence for the Christian faith is overwhelming. And we're going to be talking to Josh about some of that today. We're going to be discussing his newest book, God Breathed. You can find out more about that book at readgodbreathed.com. Again, that's readgodbreathed.com. And you can find out more about Josh McDowell at josh.org. How's that for a simple website, josh.org? Well, let's get started with the interview with Josh McDowell. Hey, is this uh, Josh McDowell? You better believe it is. Well, welcome to the God Solution Show, Josh McDowell. Hey, anybody that wants to talk about solutions, they have my ear. Again, thank you so much for being faithful and serving God so well for so many years, and specifically for your work, which helped me tremendously as a teenager, and I know there are countless millions others that could say the same thing. Thank you. Well, you know, that means a lot, but I bet there's a lot of people out there who would just like to thank you for what you do through God's solution and your ministry. So it's kind of wonderful that God uses so many people to accomplish his His uh Goals, objectives, and dreams. Praise God. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9 and 93.9 in Durango and KDUR.org online. So to begin, will you please tell our audience about how you came to faith in Jesus? Between 6 and 13 years of age for 7 years, every week for 7 years I was homosexually raped. And it devastated my life and uh, I became very bitter angry and in the university I saw this small group of people eight students two professors and their lives are quite different and the biggest thing they had was it seemed like an authentic love for each other and I wanted that so I asked them what changed their lives and this young lady just looked at me and said Jesus Christ I said oh for God's sakes don't give me that garbage I'm fed up with religion, the church, the Bible, everything. Well, all I know is she sure had a lot of courage or a lot of convictions because she shot back at me and said, Mr., we told you the person of Jesus Christ. I apologized to them. Then they challenged me to intellectually examine it. So I did it. And they got all excited. And I said, I'm not doing it to prove anything. I'm doing it to refute you. And I set out to write a book, Evidence of Men's Verdict Against Christianity, in the process, I became convinced, one, that the Bible is true, is reliable, and is the Word of God. And I never thought I'd ever come to that conclusion. And second, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. I went through a lot of struggle with that. And then finally, that December 19th at 8.30 at night, I just couldn't go on. I just said, God, if you're God and Christ is your Son, and if he died on the cross for me and the Bible is true like my mind tells me it is and Christ is your son, then I accept him as my Savior and Lord. Come into my life. All I know is my life was turned upside down as a result of it. And uh, so that's kind of my story in short, how I came to Christ. Amazing. I just finished your newest book, God Breathed, this morning. And it was a great read. I would encourage anybody listening right now to go Get God Breathed Today. Could you tell us a little bit about that book? Well, the book is probably one of the more significant books I've ever done. Because when I set out to refute Christianity, 
I went to throughout the United States, Library, University of Michigan, Harvard, everywhere, and then I went to uh, Cambridge, Oxford, um, Manchester, Birmingham, London, England. Then I went to Germany, France, Switzerland, the Middle East, gathering the evidence to show that the Bible was not true and Christ was not the Messiah. And I went over there, one of the main reasons showed that the scrolls and the manuscripts could not be trusted. They were fabrications, they weren't real, and if they were real, they weren't trustworthy. But the more I examined it and got the truth about the situation, I concluded, wait a minute, it is true. And it led me to trust Christ. And after I prayed to receive Christ, I just said, Lord, I just pray someday I will have the financial capacity or something to acquire some incredible new artifacts from ancient times, some new discoveries that I can use to share with others the truth that I learned when I tried to refute all of this. Well, that came true. Starting about four and a half years ago, hired a broker and went after a significant manuscript and was able to acquire, I mean scroll, and it was able to acquire of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, one of the rarest in existence. And then on December 5th and 6th, we uncovered about 20 manuscripts of which six of the New Testament are the oldest ever discovered. And I said, Lord, thank you. Uh, it took all the money we had, everything we had, we had to put into it. My wife did not hesitate to say, honey, go ahead and do it. Because when we did it, uh, Nate, we didn't know for sure we were going to find anything. Because we bought some burial masks, we brokered some what's called burial rolls and plates. And the masks is from central Egypt where there was such an abundance of papyrus of the Old Testament, New Testament, of the classics, everything. And they were just, when they wanted something new, they'd just have a new one made and throw the old one away. There was such an abundance of it. And people would be hard as scavengers would go out and they would scavenge through the trash dumps, everything, collecting the old manuscripts. And then they would make burial masks out of them, like paper mache. They would do three levels of manuscripts and maybe silk or a cloth and then three more levels and form a burial mask. Or... Uh, we bought two burial plates that are about the size of a half of an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And they would take, when somebody would die, to remember them, they would make a burial plate. Maybe they would take their favorite poem, their favorite classical writer, favorite Old Testament, New Testament scripture, if they were a Christian, favorite letters or something they'd had, memory things. And they would paper mache them into about 10, 12 uh, papyrus thick plate, uh, size of, oh, I don't know, four by five inches, six inches. And then they would make burial uh, rolls where they would, you know, they would form a roll of the same thing, of manuscripts of the Old New Testament, the classics, whatever. And they would, wouldn't put it underneath their head. They would usually bury that with the person in the coffin. Well, we got some of these. Now, when you buy them, you have no idea if there's anything of value in them. And uh, we took, you know, we had 200 and 
74 scholars and leaders with us, December 5th and 6th. We soaked it in water for about an hour, and we pulled them apart and started taking tweezers. Oh, Nate, we came across two letters from the perils with names and dates. We came across this the ones from the perils go back over 1,900 years. Wow. The one mask I still have goes back 2,200 years. But the one that we wow. took apart goes back about 1,650 years. Um, and the burial plates go to about 300, 350 A.D. Wow. Well, we discovered six, looks like it, they're being uh, published right now, six of the oldest manuscripts ever discovered in the New Testament. Now, what has happened, Nate, is there's such an abundance of manuscript discoveries now. When I came out with Evidence Man's Verdict the first time, I was going to document 24,633. Now, I can document 66,400 and some uh, scrolls and manuscripts of the Bible. The number two in all the history is the Iliad with a little over 1,800 now. Uh, I mean, there's 64,000 difference. And in these manuscripts, Nate, <coughs> the number, two, one, number one or number two Greek scholar in the world said to me December 6th, he said, Josh, you can intellectually say we now have the exact wording of the New Testament and the Gospels and what Jesus said. He said, now we don't know exactly what it is. In these 66,000 scrolls and manuscripts, we have the exact wording. We know 95% of it. The other 5%, because of new computer software and everything, will be able to do it instead of 40 to 50, 60 years, do it in four, six, seven years. Wow. And can you imagine, guys, in our lifetime, mm, yeah, and we, we will be able to hold a New Testament say we have the literal words hmm. of Jesus and of Paul. And so I wrote this book so others could have a similar experience that I had in discovering these things. Uh, in fact, they can go to this website. It's called Read God Read, com, and free they can download the inside story of God Breathe. And it has the photographs, everything of some of these discoveries. It'll blow their mind, and it's all free. Just I'm... go to readgodbreathe.com, and you can download it. But that's what got me into writing this book, <coughs> is I wanted to share, I mean, the whole body of Christ ought to hear about this and see the pictures of it and all. And then I wanted to tie it up to how it can become, through the Holy Spirit, a power in your life and changing your life. And so it's a book, God Breathed, is a book that bridges traditional apologetics on why do we believe, what evidence there is for it, with practical theology, how do you apply it to your life and see your life changed. It's a marvelous book. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really the kind of book that you could give to anyone, and it would be helpful no matter where they're coming from. Even if they had no background whatsoever with these issues, they could pick it up and, and get right into it. It's an easy to read, and it's a great way to start is to go to readgodread.com and download uh, the inside story with all the photographs and everything. I'm looking at them right now. I wish I could uh, 
show you show your whole audience. See, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them right here. Wow. Uh, it's amazing what God is doing now in discovery. And I just want to let the whole body of Christ know. Okay, so the manuscripts that you discuss in the book include an Old Testament manuscript, Jeremiah 33, and then also uh, parts of both Matthew 6 and 7, Mark 15, John 14, Galatians 4, and 1 John 2. I read elsewhere online that... 1 John 221. 221, got it. That's the only manuscript ever discovered of 1 John 2.21. We've discovered 1 John 2.20 and 2.22, but always verse 21 has been destroyed by fire, water, or something else. Wow. Un- unbelievable stuff. Now, you mentioned that those are the oldest ever found. How many of those go back to the first century? Well, none of these will. Okay. Oh, the oldest that could ever go back right now would be about 320. These go back to about 320 to 350. Okay. But, but, in the next 12 months will be released um, research by Greg Evans was given the responsibility of taking one of the discoveries from one of the masks, not mine, of uh, Mark 1. Mm-hmm. And it looks like, from all preliminaries, it'll be the oldest manuscript ever discovered going back to between, I would have not just estimated this, between 85 and 110 A.D., the earliest ever discovered, which is incredible. I never believed that could happen. Yeah, we actually had Dr. Evans on the show talking about that uh, about oh, you two did. months I'm ago or something. Oh, you that I didn't get to hear. <laughs> you guys... Well, you guys you guys run with a big dog. Well, it was it was definitely a blessing that he that he came on. Uh, if anybody wants to hear that interview, it's up at GodSolutionShow.com. Well, that was the first part of our interview with Josh McDowell. You'll have to tune in next week for the second part of our interview with Josh McDowell. Next week, we'll be discussing his newest book, God Breathed. Again, find out more about that at ReadGodBreathed.com. Again, that's readgodbreathed.com, and find out more about Josh McDowell at josh.org. You can also go to godsolutionshow.com and find the MP3 of this interview, and you can hear it again. I hope you'll do that as well. Well, all of this is significant. The evidence for the Christian faith is not just evidence that we can bang other people over the head with. This is evidence that gives us hope that there really is more than just death. In fact, when we look around, there have been a lot of people that have claimed to be able to give you eternal life. Unfortunately, all of them are dead, except for one, and that's the fortunate thing. Jesus didn't just claim he could give you eternal life. He backed that up by actually rising from the dead, and he told you how you can be right with God. Jesus' message was pretty simple. It was that he created the world, and he created the world and humans in love, and he has this desire to have a relationship with each one of us. But the issue is we have acted in our own selfish rebellion, and we've chosen our own ways instead of God, and there's this part inside of our hearts and our soul that is specifically designed for God, and only God can meet that. And Jesus' answer to that as he died and rose from the grave is that anyone who believes in him and put their trust in Christ as Lord and Savior 
that he will forgive them of their sins and we will have that relationship established. So Jesus invites each and every one of us to know him as Lord and Savior and to have a relationship with God the Father. And you could start that relationship today. You could put your faith and trust in Jesus, expressing that through prayer, simply saying, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me new life. Please be my Savior and Lord. Please forgive me. Please make me the kind of person that you want me to be. The Bible says that if you've put your faith and your trust in him, and if you did that this morning, you've been adopted into his family. You can look forward to a lifetime of abundance, meaning, and significance with him on this planet and an eternity with him in heaven. If you haven't taken that step, I hope that you'll take it right now. If you have taken that or if you just want to investigate more, I encourage you to visit a local church today. Go to GodSolutionShow.com and find a list of local churches and the times and the places that they meet. Don't miss the second part of our interview with Josh McDowell next week. Definitely tune in next week for the second part of this interview. Well, like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. And that's my hope, that you'll find him today if you don't know him already. And if you do, that you'll walk closer with him than ever before. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon.